baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 9.40, till 10. Mike Perlstein joins us, WWL-TV investigative reporter. And we're talking about the bail system. Mike, first of all, thank you and your colleagues for the work you do because this stuff would never come to light if you didn't. Well, you're probably right about that. This is uh, often hidden sort of in the minutia of criminal court, but it's very important. You're right. And it is being you know, looked at by many, including officers in the NOPD, as a weak link in our criminal justice system. And it is only you know, as strong as the weak link. So whether it, it gets the headlines or not, it is extremely important. Tell us what you found, Mike. Okay. Well, you're absolutely right on the importance. And this stems from, in the, you know, I've done many of these stories in the past, but now there's a very obvious push by the interim police superintendent, Michelle Woodfork, to be proactive, crack down on crime, and you know, including some of the the ones that are you know real aggravation, car break-ins, thefts, carjackings, and police are making more arrests. But come to find out that the upon arrest, defendants go to court for a first appearance, get bail set, and oftentimes. The bail is either low or without restrictions that leads to what police perceive as a revolving door. And what I was able to highlight in a two-part series, and there may be more, uh, called Bailout, Mm -hmm. are repeat offenders who already have open charges out on bail with limited or no restrictions getting picked up for similar or sometimes even more serious crimes, only to go before magistrate court and basically get released on the same conditions, a free pass. And we showed a couple of instances in which defendants racked up multiple rearrests, similar charges, no restrictions. And it's very frustrating to the police. And obviously, it just leads to more victims. And once again, if the system can't effectively flag those defendants who are, you know, the, I guess, the riskiest for release without conditions, then, um, you know, it just leads to that revolving door. You know, the magistrates are a are key players in this, and a lot of people I don't think know who these magistrates are. Mike, do you? Well, I, I think they, they fly beneath came. the radar. I really do. They they absolutely do, and you know the average person in the city can barely name a criminal court judge, much less, and those are elected, so they do you know have a, elections and get their name out there. Magistrate court. Wait, wait, wait. Let me uh, let me stop you one second. That is an awesome observation that you once made, that you made just now. Rather, as a matter of fact, I don't think uh, people can name, and I can name maybe two or three criminal court judges, and they're elected. Let alone the magistrates who who occupy and re- who uh, work rather in relevant uh, obscurity, I guess, um, relative obscure. obscurity, and and th- they are the key linchpin in all of this. 
they are the gatekeeper. They are the you know, the front line when someone gets arrested and their first appearance is in magistrate court. You know, we've seen the uh, name recognition of criminal court judges is single digits in the city. You can just imagine, and you know, the magistrate judge, which is an elected position, Juana Lombard, um, might be known by some. She, you know, she had to get elected to the position, but then you have five magistrate commissioners who are not elected. They're appointed by the judges on bonk as a group, and those people change periodically. We just, you know, at the beginning of the year, got a, a couple of new commissioners. They sit in the evenings, and once again, I challenge any ordinary citizen to name even one of those commissioners. It's, I don't even know what they're absolutely critical. Yeah, I think it's interesting to even know what they're called. They're not magistrates; they're magistrate commissioners. They're commissioners, right? And it's a part-time position. Usually, they get one uh, evening, which is a three o'clock and ten o'clock bail settings, plus a weekend per month, uh, and alternate that. But these are the ones who are, you know, setting the bail. And what is really fascinating about what, you know, I was able to track, and I've done this for some years, there's been a big bail reform movement nationally, and it also occurred here in New Orleans that really high bail is, you know, punitive against poor defendants who just don't have the means to, you know, get bonded out. So the movement was toward a risk assessment where you can really gauge if someone's an actual threat, right? And you use the past criminal history, um, open cases, and they adopted, it started with the Vera Institute, which is a criminal justice, you know, very progressive national operation and operated here in New Orleans. And they came up with this risk assessment matrix in which you kind of come up with a score, based on past charges, open cases, failures to appear in court. And these risk assessments, uh, part of pretrial services at New Orleans Criminal Court, they came up with a number, one to five, on the risk. And we're finding people climb the ladder, defendants climb the ladder of the risk from one to three to five, and basically continue to get released on the same low bail only to reoffend. So what good is this risk assessment, which was adopted at, at a cost, you know, in the pretrial services department of criminal court, if you're not even going to pay attention or use it? That is a national thing, or the, the did you say Versa? What did they call it? Well, Vera. It's the Vera, Vera Institute, and they're a national criminal justice reform organization. But they've had a big footprint in New Orleans. Post Katrina, you know, they they were highly active and remain so, but they're the ones that came up with the risk assessment matrix to supposedly, you know, come up with, I guess, a a more objective uh, process to set bail rather than each individual magistrate, you know, using their gut or their whim, or good arguments from defense attorneys. But here you can actually see, and it is part of the record, so I'm able to pull those. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you the big takeaway for me, and I followed one case of a suspect, Kenny Landix. He had a first-degree robbery, pulling a gun on a convenience store clerk. And he got out on a you know relatively low bail for that, but he was 
um, a second-time offender, and he was young, 20 years old. So uh, the magistrate did not impose the kind of sort of graduated restrictions that are available, like ankle monitor, curfew, drug testing, and other things can be done to just sort of keep an eye on a potentially, you know, suspect risky of, of when you let them out. Mm-hmm. Well, Kenny Landix proceeded to, in the course of just a couple of months, rack up four subsequent arrests, mostly car break-ins. He was pallet a hammer in one of them. He confessed the police in another one. And once again, he continued the, the bail as the risk score went up all the way up to a four for him. The bail went down. And that last arrest in December, uh, $6,000, you pay 600 plus to get out. His, his family did that. And, but there were no restrictions. They didn't use all these other tools like ankle monitor or anything else. Then on January 25th, he is accused of committing an armed robbery. And now his bail is 250000 He will absolutely not get out. And there were so many measures to, A, prevent the armed robbery victim from getting victimized, traumatized. We interviewed that person. And the family of Kenny Landix is distraught. Here's how, you know, sort of lenient the system was for him. They were at wit's end because, you know, he had some issues and he kept getting in trouble. The family recognized that. They went to the, the bail bond company and begged and, and got an ankle monitor just put on there at the request of the family. No court order. Well, anyway, long story short, Without a court order to back it up, you know, an ankle bracelet, he just ignored that. It was only the the parents trying to rein him in. And so they're distraught now that, you know, without the court taking any of these steps to curb his behavior, now he's in serious trouble facing a charge that is, you know, could bring a uh, sentence up to 99 years. And he's not getting out on a quarter-million-dollar bail. Mike, for those of us whose criminal justice experience extends to law and order where they bring them before a judge for uh, a bail setting on a program, is Louisiana or Orleans Parish different with the magistrate commissioners, or is that the way it works all over the place? Well, it is unique, um, actually. We're unique in the entire state, first of all, in which we have a separate criminal court you, you, know, you see in the neighboring parishes and throughout the state, judges are elected and do both uh, criminal and civil. And criminal yeah. We have a, I guess because of the volume of cases and because of the way it's always been, we have a separate criminal court. Now, in other criminal courts, they have what's called a duty judge, and I guess they alternate you know, weeks in which one of the elected judges serves as the magistrate, does first appearances and bail settings. Well, here... Once again, there's a you know reasonable volume of uh, people being arrested. They have a whole separate magistrate court that handles that rather than a duty judge. And because, once again, uh, there's a volume of cases that there's not just a single magistrate uh, court session each day, but several, they have these appointed commissioners who handle those evening sessions. So it is completely you know unique for the state of Louisiana. Um, juvenile court, different thing completely? 
Yeah, juvenile court, they, do, uh, they don't have magistrates. They operate um, you know, with a duty judge. And the one case that is you know, perhaps the most alarming, and I did this story, and it, it was not easy because juvenile court records, by and large, are private by law <clears throat> and uh, lots of debate on whether they should be. But John Honore, who is one of the four juvenile defendants in the carjacking death of Linda Fricky, 73-year-old Linda Fricky, carjacked, leaving from work, her arm ripped from her body, and just a horrific incident. Well, John Honore was, I guess, the the instigator who is seen in the video that we've, we've now seen many, many times, um, you know, pulling her out of that car, dragging her to her death. Well, he had been through the turnstile of juvenile court, seven different arrests, 25 separate charges, and was still out on the street. And again, for the progressive-minded, you know, people who think that locking up kids, you know, <clears throat> shouldn't happen. Um, now he's facing a life sentence without parole being prosecuted as an adult. So clearly the loose bail and restrictions on John Honore haven't done him or his family any good. You know, everyone is suffering. The Fricky family is still despondent, and they attend every court hearing for the four juveniles, including Honoré, and the family of John Honoré. And the other juveniles, you know, we're talking about 15- and 16-year-old girls who were with John Honoré, also facing a life sentence. So why, do you, why, ha, why have these sort of incremental, you know, graduated methods to keep an eye on perhaps, you know, problem Defendants and they're innocent until proven guilty. Absolutely, but you have ankle bracelets, you have curfew, you have drug testing, you have all these other things that you could use to kind of keep them from continuing a path of criminal behavior. And in, in, in the case of John Honore, Mike, escalation. We're, we're out of time, but you got to come back on this because I could talk to you for eight hours about this, and I know you're working on something else. Real quick, many, though, many more just like it. Yeah, if you can give me a twenty-second answer on this one. Um, my mind just went blank. God, oh, darn, darn it, Mike. I hate when that happens, but it did. You can answer uh, next time, all right? Well, stay tuned. We have many cases that are similar. Cops are fed up. Cops are taking to social media to blast some of the bail settings when oh, they oh. see the same guy that they just arrested back out on the street. Real quick, the sentencing guidelines, they're even, they're being, the magistrates, uh, commissioners, being ignoring those and even being even more lenient on bail, correct? That's what I wanted to ask you. Yeah, although... You know, until the law changes, the guidelines are what the sentencing is what it is by state law. But when it's uh, you know on the low end, uh, it's just a recognition by the court on you know, and they do seemingly a, a poor job in some cases of recognizing like who is on a path to your most serious crimes. They'd have to do a better job. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, appreciate your work. Nine fifty four. You bet. Back in a flash. WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.